Hi, I'm Dr. Heidi from Coaching with Dr. Heidi. My mission is to provide hope, healing, and freedom for those whose lives have been affected by toxic relationships, emotional abuse, and narcissistic behavior. If you or someone you know may be living or dealing with a relationship that may be unhealthy for them, go to coachingwithdrheidi.com and take the toxicity profile analysis to see how toxic traits of others may be affecting you. You can also follow me on Facebook or Instagram coaching with Dr. Heidi. And also I have my own podcast on all the major platforms called It's Not Normal, It's Toxic. Let's stay connected. You deserve to understand your situation. Welcome to the Trap Life Podcast. We will dive into the immersive worlds of entrepreneurship, empowerment, and empathy with an emphasis of hip-hop culture. All of these concepts will be dissected and connected via a historic lens. Prepare for an engaging transformation. Just a friendly reminder, if you experience value and insight from Trap Life, support the movement by liking, subscribing, and sharing the podcast. You are instrumental in our impact and influence on the world. Here at Trap Life, we wish you peace and vision on your journey. Trap Life Equations, E to the third, H squared equals Trap Life. Entrepreneurship plus empowerment plus empathy, history plus hip-hop. This is another episode of the Trap Life Podcast, and I am super excited for today's episode. Uh, we've been planning this episode for months now, and... Um, a podcast that I listen to emphatically, um, a podcast that I can binge easily five episodes um, at a time. Uh, and we have the host here with us, the illustrious Dr. Heidi. Hello. You can binge five at a time and you're not sick of me. No, not at all. I was just listening to your podcast before we got on. Oh, you were? Yeah. I, I listened to two episodes just right Did I, this morning. I'm doing one of uh, another one right after we get off of here because my week's been busy and people are messaging me about when the next one is coming out. So I got to get What's on. the next one going to be about? Yeah, because I was a little behind. Well, I think, have you listened to the um, the letting go one that I did last week? Yeah. Okay. I listened to the last two. That one has been super famous. It's passing numbers of the other ones like crazy. So I don't know yeah, what. That, must that was a real powerful one. People were needing. Um, that, you know, you got to be the lighthouse. And we kind of all know that. But I've always been a little frightened about being the lighthouse. And we'll probably get into that a little bit later in this episode. But. You know, you have to be raw and you have to be transparent. Well, I have decided today I'm going to go into some of the stuff that I remember when and start and get into my uh, past just a little bit. So we'll see how that goes. Okay, that's awesome. I know that that's one of my favorite episodes, the letting go episode. I'm curious because I don't think I listened to it yet was the Am I in Love episode. So that will be the next next one that I binge. Yes, and the the I am love am, am I in love one was actually I had about five people emailing me at the same time or messaging me somehow getting a hold of me that were all dealing with the same thing. So that am I in love went out to the people that you know are struggling with the loss of a relationship, even though it's not healthy, were still feeling like they were entirely in love with the person. So that one was kind of geared towards um, listeners that were messaging me. 
which I try to do with my podcast. So do you. Meeting and kind of just go with it. Yeah. Figuring out what the, the current climate is, how you can be of value to people. I really, I'm really hating that term now, though. I feel like I've heard it so much now with marketing to people and stuff like what, that. What term? The uh, creating value or presenting value. Yeah. I just, it's so, it's necessary and it's vital, but I just want to figure out another way of saying that because I'm just, I'm like cringing at it for some reason now. Oh, by saying, I hope you find value? Yeah. Oh, I'll, I'll write that down and maybe we'll come up with it by the end of the, of the podcast. <laughs> I like that. So tell us about the podcast. We, we've kind of already jumped into it a little bit, but. Um, that's how I do things. I jump into stuff way before I'm ready. So that's par for the course. Uh, my podcast actually started about a year and a half ago. And honestly, the only reason it started was I knew that if I was going to pursue the toxic relationship awareness and healing business side I had to get comfortable with talking about my past and being okay with the crap that I had been through and not being ashamed of it. So I literally started the podcast to make myself start talking. Like I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea how to track anything. As you know, Pete, I'm continually asking you how to run this podcast thing. So I still don't really get it. Um, But there is nothing that I do that's, anything fancy. I literally do my podcast into my iPad. It's the, it's the content because it's such a niche market and people don't talk about it. And, right. and so it's grown like way, way faster and, and reaching locations that I would have never even thought the day I thought, Oh, I think I'll start a podcast. So it's called, it's not normal. It's toxic. I'm a toxic relationship awareness and healing specialist, meaning I help those whose lives have been affected by toxic relationships, emotional abuse, and narcissistic behavior. In a nutshell. So now that you say that, um, and I I guess I've kind of always known that because I think that's why I gravitate to the podcast so much. It's definitely because of content. Um, You're a content-based podcast. We're a podcast a content-based podcast here at Trap Life as well. So um, I totally get that. But I I don't really see, like, in our demographic, we're, you know, entrepreneur, entrepreneur, business, that, oh, yada, 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 right? Right. Um, which is, a I would probably say, a top three market in podcasting. Oh, definitely. You know, so it's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of that content is, you know, saturated, right? Currently, um, we we try to be our own individual in a nutshell. But with you, I can't think of, and I consume a lot of podcasts. I can't think off the top of my head that what a similar podcast would be, even like comparable, even. Yeah, and you know what? I hate to say this. You know, you know, you keep pestering me about listening to you know your episodes. I right now I'm so busy. I don't I don't know how people listen to my podcast, let alone listen to a lot of podcasts. podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what are these people doing that they're listening to podcasts? But I know I have to figure it out. Um, so I have only I have only researched a little bit, and I have actually listened. There's a few psychologists out there. There's a couple um, trauma therapists that do a podcast. Okay. Uh, 
I honestly think the difference is I'm kind of raw and I've been in the trenches. I think maybe a little bit. Where they're talking about it from a clinical standpoint and you're talking about it from a real life standpoint. Yeah. Because I bet I, I bet I get 15 messages after I, I do a podcast that just says, I cannot believe you're basically telling me my story. Like, how do you know what's going on inside my house when my closest friends don't even know? You know, so it makes people definitely feel like they're not alone. And how does this lady know exactly what they're going through? And obviously it's because I've already been there. But I think there is a few. And I, and I think there's a few good ones, too, that talk about the treatment and, you know, the follow through and stuff like that. But I don't have time to listen to them all. And I feel bad. I'll have to get those from you if you remember. Yeah. Or if you. <laughs> I'll look them up. I know. Uh, so, yeah, check them out. But, um, yeah, so you, it really is a niche market. Um, and I, I think you're right. The reason why the podcast resonates with people so much is that it's, it's hard to find that resource out there, especially when you're in the middle of it. And, you know, you think of being in the middle of it. People can't get to workshops. They can't get to seminars. They can't pay for courses if they are in usually an emotional abusive situation is a big um, kind of mental control game. So many of them are cut off from finances and, you know, phones are tracked and email is tracked and just for the control aspect that the toxic person puts in on people. So for them to be able to listen to a 20 minute podcast on the way to work and, you know, the toxic person in their life, never knowing, I think that's a big advantage. So I try to, I try to think of how, it was for me and how I would have had to get the information if I wanted to educate myself on my situation. And that's kind of the direction that I, I try to go through. So explain that process for the audience. What, what the process of what? The process of how you kind of um, the resources that you provide and how you obtain that information. Well, the resources that I provide, honestly, I should start at the beginning and I promise I won't get too long winded. Um, So I'm a chiropractor. We we love tangents on here. So you're good. We have what? We love tangents on the Trap Life podcast. We're good. Good. Well, then the next time I'm I'm having one, I'll call you. Um, Yeah. So I am a chiropractor acupuncturist by trade. I have been a practicing chiropractor for almost 23 years. And about five or six years ago, I wanted to add something. So I decided I was going to start coaching. That's the big thing. Now everybody's coaching, right? And um, I tried to decide what I could be good at. And I started coaching in making yourself a priority. Because I was at the point where I knew my former life, I was last on the list. I put myself last. My self-worth was shot. My self-confidence was shot. And I thought, I can teach people how to make themselves a priority in their own life. And so I wrote a couple programs. I had a women's retreat. I started doing workshops and, and people were actually receiving it pretty well. Um, and I enjoyed it. But as I started kind of expanding that, I found that the people that were coming to me to learn how to make themselves a priority were coming out of situations just like my former situation. So because I liked coaching so much, I hired a business coach. And 
as a chiropractor, I never needed to market. I didn't ever need to coach. I just waited for somebody's neck to hurt and ta-da, they show up, right? So I had to right. learn all of this stuff. So I hired a, a business coach. And of course, in the world of coaching, she said, you need to have a niche. You can't just throw yourself out in society as a coach these days and expect to do anything because everybody is doing that. So she said, we're going to meet Friday and I want you to write down a few things that you have that no, that you feel like you could excel in and that nobody else has. Well, honestly, the only thing other than healthcare, which I love healthcare, but the reason I was moving to something different is I was starting to get bored. Um, and by Friday, the only thing I knew that I have that not a lot of other coaches have is been in a relationship that I didn't know at the time, but was extremely um, affected by narcissistic behaviors and emotional abuse. And when I was in it, I didn't know it. Now that I'm out of it, it is very clear. And so I told her that and she said, perfect. That's exactly what you're coaching. In. And I said, no, I'm not because. I don't want to talk about it. Nobody else wants to talk about it. And I don't want to remember anything. And so I kind of left that meeting thinking, well, maybe I'm not going to be a coach. And um, then I just started putting some of the character traits of a toxic person on my Facebook page. And my Facebook page doubled in about three months. And it's not huge, but the fact that it doubled in three months made me realize that people were looking for that information. Um, and so I, I just started, uh, kind of going down that road and kind of talking to people about it and in going down that road, um, you know, I had some naysayers. I don't think you should really talk about that. You know, what are people going to think if they find out that that's the situation you used to be in, you know, and it, it pulled me back for almost a year. Um, and then I just decided, you know what? I don't care what anybody thinks. The only way I'm going to help anybody is to get it out there. And I just cut ties with anybody who is, who is naysaying me. And I just started and I've tried things that worked and I've tried things that didn't work. But um, over the course of the last couple of years, I have written an entire uh, awareness and healing program. That's all I can go into. It's available, you know, worldwide. Um, I do a lot of speaking. I hold national conferences now. Next year in 2020, my team and I are going on tour. So we're going to go into cities for the people that can't get to us. Um, the podcast has been great. I do. I have a support group online uh, that has proven to be fantastic. And so it's just growing. And um, what happened about a month ago is I feel it growing so quickly. I actually closed my wellness center and I'm only seeing patients two days a week and I'm hundred percent into the toxic relationship now. Whereas before it was, what would you say the split was between how you were dividing your time? Um, I was four, four and a half days in the office. Okay. So yeah, it's, and, and you know what the thing is, is all the years that I thought I was in, I was struggling. It's apparent now that I was in training because there was a bigger plan for me somewhere along the line. Chiropractic was just holding my place until I was ready. And so explain that transition from shutting down that office and how your new workflow is going. The transition was awful. No, let me take that back. The transition was fine. The decision to do it was awful. And I know that um, any entrepreneurs out there, 
Um, and it's funny because when I had to move from my former life to and relocate to where I am now, I had to start completely over. I, I left my former practice to my former husband and I pretty much left with nothing. So when I started up again, about 10 years ago, I started from scratch. So talk about entrepreneur. I had every service that I could put in a wellness center come through there. If it worked, great. If it didn't, I checked it. I knocked a wall out. I started a big boutique. So I had wellness and retail therapy for about four years. And, you know, then as the toxic relationship started growing, the boutique didn't seem to be so important to me. So I shut that down. And if that's one thing, I know we're talking to entrepreneurs, that is the thing that saved me was the continuing to change things. If something didn't work, I didn't sit on it. I pitched it and just continually changing and changing and changing. So when I had to make the decision to step out of full-time healthcare into this, it took me about, I started thinking it about, about it about a year and a half ago. And I went through the whole, well, I'm giving up on my degree and I'm giving up on my patients and I'm le- leaving my patients with nobody. And um, so I had a lot of guilt. I had a lot of obligation and I had a lot of, oh my gosh, what if this doesn't work? And it's the, what if this doesn't work that keeps entrepreneurs stuck? And I'll never forget. So I'm thinking, when am I going to do this? When am I going to do this? I want to be, I want to be transitioned by the end of 2019 and trying to make the decision about made me sick. And I was driving to work one day in June and my oldest daughter called me and she could tell something was wrong. And of course, the minute, you know, females, the minute she asked what was wrong, I started crying and she's like, mom, it's okay. You've always made it. Just make a decision and do something because if you make the wrong decision, you just do something else. That's what you've always done. And so this is exactly what I told her. I said, I'm not going to think about it for the month of July. I'm just going to let everything ride and I'll think about it again in August. And one day in July, everything fell into place in about three hours. And I closed it the 15th. I closed my wellness center the 15th of August. I went on vacation for a week. I moved the last week and I was reopened in the one room that I'm renting from another chiropractor the 1st of September. And now working from home three days a week, I have never in my entire adult life got to work from home. So I felt like I was drowning the first two weeks because I, I figured out I'm a very scheduled person, but now I'm on my third week and it's awesome. I love it. And I love being able to entrepreneurs do this too. We divide up our day. We do this for a minute. Oh, and then the phone rings and we got to concentrate on this. And then we do this and, you know, we wear so many hats that I love now. Everything is on, you know, all the chiropractic acupuncture is on Monday. And then I do the toxic relationship stuff on Tuesday and Wednesday. And then I do chiropractic and acupuncture again on Thursday. Whereas before it was, you know, all scattered all the way throughout the day. And I just really hanging on to my cape to, and hope I make it. So, you know, it's, it's a transition. If it works great, continue. If it doesn't try something different, don't ever sit on it. That's, that's the biggest business lesson I've learned in my life. Definitely. And so tell us more about your background as far as what what personal experiences you had that were traumatic and toxic in nature. 
Well, that we'll run out of recording time. No, I'm kidding. So honestly, <laughs> um, I'll, I'll tell a little bit about my story. It, it gets long and gets fuzzy and it gets, you know, but they'll all hit the big points. So I was check the podcast people. She goes into more detail about it. Um, I grew up on a dairy farm in the middle of Montana. So, um, and not only being in Montana where there's, you know, not a lot of big cities, I lived out in the country and I also attended a private school and people tease me all the time. We, we, did not dance in our school. And so people always tease me that I was raised in Footloose, which is not the case. The funding for the private school was just from very, a very old Dutch community. And so they didn't dare, you know, step over the, the older generation's funding and make them mad because that's where the money came from. So it wasn't that we weren't allowed to dance. It was just that we didn't because of certain circumstances. But I always tell that part because it, it reiterates the picture that my life was pretty sheltered. Like everybody in the community really wanted what was best for everybody. Everybody watched out for everybody else. You know, if something bad happened in the community, it happened, but not a lot of people talked about it. And the people involved usually moved away. You know, so me growing up, I was sheltered from anything that wasn't, you know, normal and wasn't good for me and what didn't have my best interest in mind. So I think my trip up was me going out into the world thinking everybody was nice you know and trusting everybody and giving everybody the benefit of the doubt and of course me going into healthcare means i'm i'm somebody who enjoys helping people that is my personality that is 99% of your healthcare's personality they want to help people they go into service oriented you know professions because that's what gives them joy in their life so um, it was when I was at school that I met my former husband and um, I have two daughters with him. So regardless of what happened and regardless of how, you know, I've had to recover from that, I would not change a thing because I wouldn't have my kids. Um, I'm almost getting tears, Pete. I got to, this is, I got to be careful. You don't want me crying on your podcast. We, we respect a good cry, you know, appropriate cry. <laughs> But anyway, what I think with me, I had never been a wife before. I'd never been in a relationship like that before. And with being continually criticized and continually compared to other people and given advice on how to be a better wife and how to be better and how to be somebody that, that would work out better for him, I took that upon myself as I wasn't good enough, which immediately put me on a treadmill of trying harder. Okay. Now, I'm going to do a little segue here. When I teach my programs, toxic people need certain things. They need control, power, attention, and admiration. So everything a toxic person does as far as manipulation, whether it's a mildly toxic person to a very extremely toxic person, everything they do in their relationships is either for control, power, attention, or ad admiration. So when they criticize and compare you, that's a control power thing. Toxic people feel better when other people are struggling. Well, from my point of view, I didn't realize, I didn't realize what I was in. I just thought I didn't know how to be a good wife and I didn't know how to be a good mom. So keep trying and maybe you'll be accepted. Right. And when you are continually, if when you're in a relationship like that and you're continually trying and you're continually on the treadmill of, 
oh, I hope I'm good enough this time. I hope I don't get in trouble. I hope he approves of me. What that does for him is it put my attention directly on him because all I could think about was being good enough. So he was not only controlling, he had power over me and my attention was on him 100% of the time. So what toxic people do is they work it just like that. So they get the control, they get the power, they get the attention and they get the admiration. And in, in the 12 years that I was with him, 14 years total, I completely lost myself. I lost my identity. I lost my smile. I lost my laugh. I didn't, I didn't know. I don't know what made me happy. I didn't know what my hobbies were. My attention was a hundred percent on keeping conflicts down, being good enough and protecting my kids, you know? And so I didn't really realize that I was in a toxic relationship. And that's what all of the people that come to me, they don't realize it either. Some of them will come to me after they leave and they kind of have a better idea. But until I educate them on exactly what's happening within that relationship, they are the same as me thinking, oh, it must be me. I, I just need to try harder. You know, and then again, you might, this is, I'm condensing it because it was a long 14 years. Um, when I finally left, I basically ran away. Um, I knew that I mentally was not being a good mom. I knew I could not be the person I needed to be to my girls. And I was not being the example that they needed to see to grow up and be a strong, independent person. So when I finally left, it was basically, um, I'm not going to make it another day and my kids are going to need me. And so it was devastating when I left because I initially left my kids. Um, that's a, that sounds awful. I know that sounds awful, but as it, as it works out and as I teach my clients, the children, as they grow up, have to be able to pick the type of relationship they're going to have also. And my, my daughters are grown now and they're doing great and they get it and they understand it. And, you know, we, we're all doing fine. But at the time, um, being a mom who protected her kids all the time to being a mom that left and didn't have them was the absolute hardest thing I have ever done in my life. But I used that time to rebuild and refine myself and get strong so that when they were ready to come back or when I was ready to go back to them, I was a completely different person that was not going to be manipulated ever again. And that's exactly how I teach my clients. Um, not that I encourage people leaving their kids. That was awful. However, I do have clients that have had to leave for the same reason. So then moving forward, um, I didn't realize how extreme mine was until I started writing my programs and really teaching people. And there is very little um, in the emotional abuse realm that I can't say, yeah, I've been there. Yeah, that happened. Yeah, my clothes were all in the yard. Yeah, you know, all of, all of this. And so what I feel like I've been blessed with in going through that is the ability to relate to almost anybody that comes to me for help. So for your you. situation, it was mostly our uh, emotional abuse, not physical. Right. 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 Now, that's that's one thing that you have to watch for, because because toxic people and I use toxic people as a blanket phrase. That's just toxic people aren't always bad people. 
you know, I say toxic people because you have to decide if they're healthy for you or not. I can't sit here and go, Pete, that person's toxic. You know, you have to take the information and education that I give you and you decide if that person's toxic or not. So when I say a toxic person, that just engulfs anybody who may not be healthy for you. You know, I don't care if they have a diagnosis. I don't care if, you know, they have genetic disorders. It's not that I don't care, but at the end of the day, are they healthy for you or not? That's what I teach. I don't teach. This is a toxic person. You need to run away. I teach. Here's what a toxic person does. Here's why they do it. You decide if that relationship is healthy for you in the status that it's in. Because I don't, my experience is, you know, with a former spouse, I have had friends that are toxic. I have had to divorce friends. You know, I've had other things in my life that are toxic, but you don't have to cut everybody out. You know, if, if it's a toxic friend, you can figure out how to change the dynamic of that relationship without completely shutting them out, you know, and I've done that. And then, but with the severely toxic ones, the ones that affect you, if you're in the relationship, those are the ones we call no contact. In order for them not to affect you, you cut them completely out of your life. And it's totally okay. You are allowed to do that. So as things went back to your question, as things kind of progressed, and as I started learning more and more about the situation I was in, and I started pushing back, what that does with the toxic person is they start feeling like they're out of control. And when they start feeling out of control, they have to turn the heat up a little bit. So the names will get worse. And they'll tend to throw things or they'll break things. And if you still try to stand up for yourself, it escalates. So that's where, you know, I have to teach people, you need to be careful because a lot of people say, oh, well, they've never hit me or they've never broke anything. Well, as soon as they try to leave the relationship or they try to get out, that's when the physical starts. So it's kind of a progression. And, And the progression is because of the loss of control or the feeling of the loss of control when somebody tries to leave a relationship. Okay. And, and you have to realize too, um, toxic relationships aren't, aren't individualized to intimate relationships. I have clients that have toxic siblings, toxic parents, toxic children, toxic coworkers. Um, you know, you're, you're in the workspace. In fact, I'm putting together right now a presentation on how to communicate with toxic people in the workplace. And how to communicate with toxic people on a prof- when you're on a professional level. Because What are some tips, some knowledge about that? Okay, so... Give us the preview. Okay, so... You know, when I started coaching, I was just going to coach females. Because that's where I felt like my perspective was. I was just going to coach females who were coming out of relationships that, you know, like me. Well, the longer I do it, the more I realize toxic is toxic. The control, power, attention, and admiration is a common thread through a, through a, a toxic person. So it doesn't matter what the relationship is. I teach the same. And remember, I'm not a therapist and I am not a counselor. I am an educator because understanding is what leads to your empowerment and empowerment is what is leading people to freedom. So if I can teach you the situation you're in, you can go, Oh, I get it. And then the manipulations don't work anymore. So whether it's intimate, whether it's family, whether it's friends or whether it's coworkers, you treat it the same because the toxic person is after the same thing. So say in a coworker or a professional environment, you need to know how a toxic person works so that it can't affect you. 
because we can sit here all day and go, oh, I, I wish Joe wouldn't act like that. Or how come Joe says such mean things to me? We can do that all day. But the truth is we can't control what a toxic person does. We can only control how we respond to it. So if you understand what they're doing and what they're after, when they throw manipulations out, it's very easy for you to not give them the reaction that they want. So a couple of the things as far as dealing with a toxic professional, it, you need to realize that they're after control and power. And in many situations, they're after attention and admiration. So if you're one that has a, a kind, caring, loving, giving personality, they're going to target you because they can control and manipulate you. So that's the first thing. If you have toxic people in your life, chances are you're a kind, caring, loving, good person because a toxic person is going to target somebody they can control. So just know, know that um, and know that toxic people feel better when other people are struggling. So if you have somebody at a business event or a networking event or whatever that continually criticizes you or compares you to somebody or talks down to you, they're doing that so they feel better about themselves. And, and what I usually tell people is put your umbrella up. You know, if you've got somebody that, you know, criticizes you, they're only doing it so they feel better. It doesn't mean anything that's coming out of their mouth is true. So just let it roll off. And in the workplace, you'll see this a lot too. Toxic people want, they want a reaction. If they can make you mad, if they can make you cry. If they can make you upset, if they can make you embarrass yourself, that's what they want because the minute they get a reaction, they know that they can control you. So don't give them a reaction. You know, if they try to fire you up, you say something like, oh, I'm sorry you feel that way. And then you need another cup of coffee or whatever. Because they want to engage you to, so that you play into the manipulation. Um, if you know they're toxic, this is one more tip that's good. Uh, they will want to know personal information about you. How's the, you know, how's the kids? How's the wife? How's, you know, and what they like to do with that personal information is wad it up in a big ball and throw it in your face later. So if you know this about the person, stay away from anything they can use against you. You, your conversations stay to the weather, the sports teams, and anything that doesn't have emotion tied to it. Because it's, it, they're after the emotional portion. And then no too, you don't have to hang out with toxic people. You know, a lot of times I'll get the question, yeah, but they're in every work meeting or they're at every networking event or, you know, they're a family member, so I can't get away from them. Yeah, you can't get away from them, but you can control, you know, the conversation topics you have and the reaction you give them and the effect that it has on you. And as soon as a toxic person realizes they're not getting what they need from you, they have to move on to somebody else because they still need control, power, attention, and admiration. So they need it. It doesn't necessarily, it's not specific to you, it, but that's something innate within them. Exactly. And so if you're not giving it to them, they need to find it somewhere else. The hard part is just to grit your teeth and bear it while they're turning up the volume, trying to get it from you. So let me ask you this because You've done several podcasts uh, with this topic. Most of the time, we don't encounter just one toxic relationship in our lives, right? Correct. And so we feel that it's something innate to us. 
and we process that. What is it about me that one, when you get to the fact that it isn't enough, like you're not enough, Mm -hmm. right? But more so once you maybe start waking up to the fact that you might be in a toxic situation, you start identifying other situations as toxic. And so you feel like you're a toxic magnet. You are a toxic magnet. Right. Yeah. And, and this, this, you know, if I, I hear it all the time, I think my picker is broken. I pick the wrong person every time I pick the wrong friend. I pick the wrong person to date. You know, it's the same cycle every time. And I mentioned this a little bit earlier because they need control. They need to attract to a personality that they know they can control. You're not going to see two big toxic people hanging out and be chummy chummy because they can't control each other. So if you are kind, again, I'm going to go back to this. If you're kind, caring, loving, compassionate, and giving, chances are you've had more than one toxic person in your life because a kind person wants to help, a caring person wants to help, a giving person wants to help, a loving person wants to help, and toxic people want everybody's help. They want everybody's attention. So they can get, they can get you to do anything because we are pleased. You know, we are fulfilled in life by helping other people. Right. And toxic people need help. So once you realize you're a target, basically, if you're kind, caring, loving, good person, you got a target on your back for a toxic person. That's a dangerous dynamic. Yes. And so, yeah. so here is what separates me from a lot of the people who are working with toxic relationships. You absolutely need to know what the red flags are. So you need to know the character traits that a toxic person uses, like the back of your hand. Because you need to be able to see them when they show up. And then on top of it, we're big, give everybody else the benefit of the doubt. Oh, well, it was just one time. Or, oh, they had a bad day. Or they had a bad upbringing. So we let, them, we let it slide by when they treat us badly. So you have to learn the character traits of the toxic person. And you have to learn to choose yourself when you see them. You know, and my daughters, every time they go on a date, I'm like, did you see any red flags? And they're like, oh my gosh, mom, really? But my, they are very good at, they go on a date. Okay, fine. It was fine. Good. We go on another one. They see a red flag. My, they don't think about it again. They're like, yep, you're out. And that way I know that they're, they're choosing themselves now. They don't want to fall back into that trap where they can't get out. So it's, it's a matter of you learning to choose you when you see the toxic traits. Because did they see things from your experience? Oh, yes. And, and they right. see, you know, um, it, it was, you know how I said, if, if you don't give them what they want, they move on to somebody else. Okay. Right. So it was, you know, when I left, it just moved on to them. them right. And, and so they, I mean, they saw, they went through the whole same thing I did. So now that they're out dating, you know, I have made them very aware and they get it. I mean, they understand they, my daughters come to my conferences. They, they speak at my conferences. They come to my women's retreats. So they're starting to be okay with talking about it. And, um, but they're, they're aware that, that they're targets. And the other aspect that they have is they were raised in it. So to them, it was normal. Whereas right. me, I at least had something that was, normal to look back on so I had something to compare it to, to compare it so to. exactly and they didn't so for you 
you know, listeners that have been raised in something that wasn't healthy, you really need to learn the character traits of the toxic person because you don't know any different and that's not your fault. But that's how we go about choosing ourselves and finally living the life for our, living our own life for ourselves. I think that's really true. I know for me, um, you know, being raised in toxic environments, mm-hmm. um, that even sometimes I'm, even though I felt like I always knew it was a toxic environment, that it wasn't quite, quite right. I kind of started to think, even though this isn't healthy, maybe it is normal. Like maybe other people go through this and this is just part of the process. Like maybe life is just hard this way. And this is just what you don't see behind the... Yeah, and, um, and everybody's life is like this. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, not everybody's, but more people than you would think. Like, because I, 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 it never felt right, never felt normal. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, never felt healthy. Let's say, let me say that. But as I've grown up, I've seen a lot of people engage in a lot of non-healthy behavior. I think most people, most adults aren't, engaged in healthy behaviors from what I've seen um and again maybe that's just who I'm looking at and what I've seen you know the people that I have in well, my life you know it, it it's probably something like this you know when you what kind of car do you drive Lexus okay you know when you bought your Lexus you you bought the Lexus because you wanted a cool car that not everybody had right Right. So you buy it and you drive out of the dealership. And what do you, what's the first car you see? Alexis. Alexis. And then you start looking around and you're like, oh my gosh, everybody has these. Well, it's only because now you're focused on the Lexus. They were always there. It's just now you're right. focused on it. And, and I think that, you know, the same thing, you know, you found my podcast and you were the one that right away messaged me and was like, um, I feel like, you know, you're describing some stuff that I can really relate to. So now that you've been listening, you're, you're way more aware of it. So now you're looking around at other, other relationships and other interactions going, oh. But see, that's all part of the learning process. Because if you can spot them, you're safe. You know, it's, it's a matter of choosing, you know, knowing what's normal and what's not normal for you and choosing yourself. Because we, we compromise ourselves. Because I, I know I've like you know, been in relationships that are toxic. And then I'm thinking, you know, yeah, it was okay that, um, you know, she decided not to hang out with me so she could go hang out with some other guy. That's, that's not a big deal. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I've blown her off before for work things and that's acceptable. And, Mm -hmm. you know, like, and it's just like, wait, what? No, that's not, that's not that's it. not it but but isn't it funny how we do that we take the blame even when it's not ours to take right yeah and you know part of it is we don't want to be lonely we want to be accepted so yes she went to hang out with somebody else but you'll convince yourself that it was okay because you don't want her to leave either right yeah and you know a toxic that's one of the toxic traits they do not take responsibility for their bad behavior you know, it's always somebody else's fault. So chances are, if you confronted her, that's exactly what she would have said. Well, you've, you know, you've done it before. You've blown me off before, you know, so then it's like a payback thing. Right. 
you know, or it's like you you never get to even right and the other thing like in that just because you brought that scenario up you're right another yeah. thing that happens a lot at times in that is okay so she went out with another guy and it hurt your feelings so you decide i'm going to bring that up and let's have a discussion okay what happens is you know you're nervous about bringing it up because you know there's probably going to be conflict but you figure out how to word it just right and rather than her going oh i'm sorry i hurt your feelings she says well, don't you think you're just overreacting a little bit? So yeah, it wasn't it wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah, it wasn't that big. Or, of a, or, or you're too sensitive. Or yeah, yeah, you're just sensitive. So now what she did, and it's a very common manipulative tactic of a toxic person. What she did is she just said the problem is now no longer that I was out with somebody else. The problem is now that you're too sensitive. You're too sensitive, and we should focus on that. And that's what this conversation is going to be about going forward. Yes, yes. And then you're certainly never going to bring that up again because you don't want to be blamed for being too sensitive. So she just got away with that and probably anything she wants to do in the future because now, Pete, you're too sensitive. Right. So it's chess, not check. Well, it's chess, not checkers out here in terms of manipulation. And yeah. The way they think it's a couple levels ahead of other people. Yes. And, and, you know, it's funny because I don't know how I do this, but I, I have learned their behavior so well that I, I usually know what a toxic person is seeking, you know, so people call me all the time. Okay. This is happening or, or they said this, or she's doing this. What does that mean? And I mean, I by no means have any crazy power or anything like that, but I know how they think so well that. I remember one time I was wrong in the last year and I, I, it's just because I know what they're after. So when people call me and say, this is what's going on, what do you think? A lot of times I tell them not to do anything. You know, they're trying to get a reaction. Don't do a thing. Don't react. Or, you know, this is what they're after. I sit on um, a couple divorce boards. Uh, divorce is ugly. I don't wish divorce on anybody. I am a, I'm a marriage advocate. I love the, I am remarried by the way. I love being married to the man that I'm married to now. It's the best, one of the best things about my life. But I do know what it was like to go through a divorce with a toxic person and go through a divorce with all the manipulation. And so I sit on um, a couple of boards for divorce support type things and try to keep the family law attorneys averse at the manipulations that are going on within the courtroom. And, you know, that's difficult when you're, attorneys have never been in that situation because they would not believe that somebody would be that manipulative to hurt somebody that they said they loved. You know, so it's, you know, the, the manipulation runs deep and people like us don't really get it until we're educated. Because it, it's foreign to us. That's not the way yeah. when you're, when you're open and you're honest and you have a, a good heart, you're not thinking like yes. that. And if somebody told you, Okay, Pete, I want you to go, I want you to go do this. You need to manipulate this person into doing this. You'd be like, I don't even know where to begin. I don't, I don't want to do that. That's... But you wouldn't even be able to do it because we don't think like that. You know, we, we're not, we're not so self-serving that that's all we think about. And toxic people are very after what they need at that time to get them what they want. And then. I think for myself, I have to protect my, I have to be conscious of the fact that, yeah, I do have the, a side to me that is more calculating, right? 
and is thinking about things and planning things very methodical and um, likes to test things. So if I have to be conscious that that side of me does not become manipulative or a manipulator, right? Well, you know, that's that I get people asking me that too. Toxic traits are contagious. So if you've been around them and you've been raised in it, you've learned some of those traits, you know, and again, that's, that's not your fault, but, um, and the other thing, we all have toxic traits. You know, we are all very capable of being toxic, but when you were talking about like an emotionally abusive situation or a chronically toxic situation, that's repetitive and that's cyclic and it's all based on the needs of somebody, you know, but you have the, the complete ability to, you know, criticize somebody to death. But you probably don't do it all the time and you probably don't do it repetitively so that you can get your way with people. No. You know, so I always say that don't beat yourself up if you see a toxic trait pop up now and then. But be aware that if you're doing it, you know, more than you should or you're doing it continually to the same person, you know, if you're doing it continually to the same person, you should probably reevaluate that relationship. Right. And then that that could be the other thing is if you if maybe you're the toxic person in a particular relationship, right? Mm-hmm. But the way that you can counteract that is by changing your behavior and maybe uh, eliminating the relationship, even for the simple fact of something about that person brings out toxic traits in you yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And if you don't like those traits, you'll recognize them. And then you change the dynamic of the relationship i you know i have that a lot with families that have that are you know toxic families they have to hang out on the holidays or they have to they have to be at the family reunions and they have to be at the weddings and they have to be at the family meetings and stuff like that well then we just we just navigate through those you know situations you know if we know politics is a bad subject then don't bring it up you know, when that, when the touchy subject comes up, exit stage left, you know, and it's just a matter of being very aware of the things you get sucked into. It's, it's self-awareness and self-awareness is tough when you've been in toxic environments because you're not allowed to be self-aware in toxic environments. You're allowed to be toxic person aware in toxic environments. You know, the whole self-worth, self-confidence, self-esteem that's all built into my program as well. You know, you're, when you're governed by somebody else and letting somebody else make your decisions, you know, I have people that can't order off of a menu when they leave a toxic environment because somebody else was always, you know, making their, even their little decisions. Well, you can't eat that. That's too expensive. Or, you know, that's going to make you gain weight. You shouldn't have that. So eventually what we do is we give up our right to make decisions for ourselves. We let somebody else make it. Well, then when you're trying to make a decision on closing a business and starting a new one, it gets a little overwhelming. You just want somebody to tell you what to do because you get used to that. Definitely. Well, can you take us through um, your test, your assessment rather? Oh, I will talk about that a little bit. That's a great idea. I wouldn't have done that. So... I have on my website, coachingwithdrheidi.com, 
for anybody who wants to attempt this. It's called the toxicity profile analysis. And I created it because I didn't realize what I was in when I was in it. And it is a lengthy questionnaire. I apologize for that, but there is a reason. Um, it's yes or no questions. None of them are pretty questions. And when you get finished with the yes or no questions, you will get a, a result that says if you have been mild, moderately, or severely affected by the toxic traits of others during your lifetime. Okay. So that way it kind of gives you an idea. Oh, well, I kind of, I, I thought this relationship kind of wasn't good and I scored a severe you know, it doesn't get super specific, but it does make you think, okay, well, if I scored a, that I'm severely affected by another's toxic traits, maybe I need to look into this. But when you take the profile, I get results also. They get emailed to me, but I get different ones. The results I get, each one of those questions correlates to one of the 21 character traits of the toxic person that I have in my program. So Pete, when you take the toxicity profile analysis, I get the results that say you answered five in criticism, you answered four in, you know, confession, you answered one in damaging your property. So I can look at the answers that you've given me. And without you even telling me, I have a pretty good idea of what type of personality you are dealing with in the, that particular toxic relationship, because it is too hard and it is too emotional for somebody to get on the phone with me for a consultation and have to tell me their story from the beginning. And when I have pretty much an outline of the personality that they're talking about, we don't even have to go into the emotional part. I can go right into, you know, giving them some, some things to start right now to change stuff. And I do do the consultations off of the toxicity profile analysis. And then I do one-on-one -on -one coaching as well. So off the profile, if people choose that they want to learn more, I do the one-on-one -on -one coaching and, you know, it's changing people's lives. I'm not necessarily changing people's lives. I'm giving people the tools to make the decisions to change their life. And so the toxicity profile analysis is an eye opener for people, I think, who, who are questioning stuff. I think it was, uh, when I took it, for me, it was kind of sobering almost or it's like a sense of validation like yes it's, okay it's, maybe you're not crazy like maybe it's kind of a relief things are actually serious yep and it's a relief because you're like okay good because this is how I've been, I've been feeling like this but but I haven't been able to validate anything validation is a great word that's exactly what it does yeah have you had a chance to look at mine yes actually I was just gonna well I looked at it the day you took it I was just gonna pull it up Right now, hang on. Oh, yeah. um, please hold. We'll, we'll talk about it for the audience briefly. Yeah. Uh, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? I announced it on my podcast and explained it uh, last week, and then they have been coming in like crazy. So I wonder, when did you take that? It was about three weeks ago, two weeks ago. Let me see if I can just search it. Ah, okay. So how in-depth do you want me to get? As much as you want. I okay, don't care. so there's 106 questions on the test 
And like I said, again, it, it doesn't define anything. It doesn't diagnose anything. It just gives you an idea. Um, and, you know, of the 21 character traits um, and the 106 questions, you answered 101 of the 106 yeah. questions a yes. I remember that. So, so and, and how it's divided is anything 60 or more is considered you have been severely affected by the toxic traits of others in your life. You know, and when, when, when people take it, I try to get them to think about their whole life. But usually what happens is by the time they get to my website, there's one person in their life that's given them heck. So they kind of focus on that person when they take the, when they take the, the thing. But you really tried to encompass your whole life when you took this, right? Because I had told you to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know. And just the questions, some of them aren't attributed to the same person right. they're a flashback some of them are relationship based some of them are uh family based issues some of them are even friendships that i've had yeah and so so 106 out of 100 or 101 out of 106 in your lifetime we need to get you into the program buddy no <laughs> <laughs> i'm kidding i'm kidding but it was an eye-opener for you because i bet you didn't think you would score 101 yeah, I don't know about like 101, but I'm like, but when I, I think about it, I'm, I'm a reflective, introspective type of person, mm-hmm. right? So right. I I had a good idea that it would be up there. Now that I think that would be like, uh, I don't know if it's record breaking. You know, and, <laughs> and I should say that there's, I, I look at this, this um, analysis, and there's also a little bit of gender discrepancy between the two. Because a fear, you know, fear, when I talk about fear in a relationship, fear in a relationship, any type of fear is a red flag. Okay. Whether it's fear for your physical safety or it's fear for making them mad or fear from, you know, not being good enough or whatever. And I always tend to see that fear is a little bit lower on the male gen on the, on the male gender side. And I, I see that, that damages your property is lower you know, and, and so I see, you know, some things that, are, that may be reflective of, of genders come through here. So I always take that into consideration when, when I'm looking at them, too. Um, I mean, I've had girls, like, throw uh, stuff. you know, throw stuff at me and then also, you know, damage my cars and stuff like that. Well, before. and yeah. here's an interesting thing, since you're Mr. Statistic Guy. Um, you, you know, I told you when I first started, I was just going to do females because I really felt like that's where my experience was. And now I have every type of toxic relationship as a client that I can even think of. Like, I don't, there's not one dynamic that I can't really think that I've at least spoken with. And, um, oh, I think I just lost my train of thought. What did you just say right before that? Well, I said I've had. Um, oh, oh, yes. Girls. Key my car stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. See, I'm getting old. Damage property. I'm getting old. I almost had to go back into the room I was in before to remember what I was thinking about. No. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually looked up the statistics on like um, gender related. Into it was it's basically just intimate relationships. But I now have just as many males with toxic females in their life as I have opposite. You know, so I'm sitting here and I speak because my former, obviously, uh, it was a marriage, but I have, you know, people that have been in marriages for a long time and, you know, the gender role is flipped. So 
I think you, you know, society thinks, you know, domestic violence or abuse, they, they picture one gender over the other and in emotional abuse, it's absolutely not split that way. Yeah, it depends. Mm -hmm. Depends what the dynamic of the relationships may be. You You know, know, and when you think about most of it's coming out of your mouth, I mean, people can say anything. Right. And then I think with women, um, women are more prone to emotional abuse, I feel like, rather than the physical dynamics, because, um, you know, they'll, they'll just, you know, they'll say things or give a, uh, a sense of things. Like, for example, if you married someone and they were your second pick and you just happen to end up with them for whatever reason, you're always going to kind of remind them of that if you're a toxic person in that relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it just, it all kind of. And then, but then here, my thing is, if you, if you were my client, we're not marrying the second pick. I'm sorry. I'll lock you in a closet before I let you do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. but when we're young and we, you know, everything and you know, or we don't know any different, we do what we think is best at the time. Right. You know, and that's every, my, this is, and I don't know how much longer you want to keep talking, but this is what I, I now live my life by. And um, sometimes I don't understand it. And I didn't understand it for a long time. But so when I was going through the hardest part of my uh, toxic relationship, my mom and dad were still in Montana. I'm the only one of my family that moved out. And I was in the Midwest. So when I would call um, all upset and be explaining this stuff, my mom can't not really relate. Okay, like we were talking earlier, people have that have not been in toxic environments cannot really understand what you're going through. And my mom was very supportive, but I really think now she didn't understand the depth of what I was going through, but she was so cute. And I tease her about it all the time um, because I am an extrovert and my mother is very introverted. She's very quiet. Um, So she would listen to my whole whatever spiel or upset or crying or whatever was going on. And then she would say something like, well, everything happens just like it's supposed to. And I remember thinking, thanks. That helped me like, not at all, you know, but okay, I'll call you tomorrow, whatever. And now looking back because of, uh, because I have now turned my past into my passion. If I would have changed one thing, I would not be able to do what I'm doing today. And so I am a firm believer in everything happens just like it's supposed to. So no matter where you are today, no matter where you're struggling with, no matter what decisions you're trying to make, you know, no matter what crappy cesspool of junk you're trying to get out of, everything happens just like it's supposed to. Because stuff is sent into our life as a lesson or a blessing. So if it's there right now and it's giving you a struggle, it's there to teach you a lesson. So learn what you can and move forward. And then don't regret where you were at because there was a reason for it. And so I have a couple more questions for you because I love that. Um, So I think you know this, but you maybe don't know this because you haven't listened to the podcast. But um, I'm writing a book to correlate with the um, the podcast. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, the book came before the podcast. Okay. The, um, and part of it is the 
there's a section of it that is autobiographical. It's going to be based on my experiences. Mm-hmm. Right? And it involves, you know, uh, my family members and maybe, you know, some of my friends, but mostly family. And even though what I'm saying is true, I struggle with the fact that, you know, how you're describing earlier, the naysayers, people are like, oh, do you really want to put that information out there? And because I I don't want it to ever paint anyone in a negative light. I just want to try to give someone else a perspective that, hey, I went through this and maybe you're going through this. You can get past this. Or this is something that goes on. This is something that occurs sort of thing. So what tips would you have for me in order to get past that mental block? Well, I literally could ask you the same question because my, I am going to write a book next year and I'll be honest with you. The reason I haven't gone totally, absolutely raw into um, the things that have happened and the things that I experienced is because of my daughters. I don't want any backlash from him on my daughters, but this is an old gospel hymn. You can't be a beacon if your light don't shine. Mm, that's that's powerful. You know, and so 2020 with me taking the tour on the road um, is my year to overcome that hesitation. You know, because I I do feel like the forgiveness for me is there. I am I don't need to be involved ever again in my life with the man. But I no longer hold any bitterness against him because bitterness only affects me. Right. So I feel like I'm at a place that I can step forward and do that. And so I know exactly how you're feeling. And I believe it. This is going to sound like like my mom. I believe it is a one foot in front of the other. Because when I wrote my first I wrote my story in a couple compiled books. So it's just one chapter in a book of a whole bunch of other people having chapters. And the first one I wrote, um, I was very nervous about. So it's written badly and it's very vague, but it was the first time I did it. So for me, it was very powerful because it was the first time I said anything. Um, The second time I wrote, it was a little bit different, but um, it was a little bit more descriptive and it was a little bit more powerful. And each time you do it, you just gain more power because as soon as you start helping people with it, the hesitation to tell people falls away. So just start by starting. Yeah, I think that's all we can do. And I know you well enough that you're not going to blatantly badmouth anybody because that's not your personality. Yeah. And and my thing is, I'm not coming at it from a place of vengeance. It really is, you know, um, in some ways, a healing mechanism, not just for myself, but for other people that have experienced this. And I think I think if the bitterness is gone. And the vengeful, the feeling of having to get revenge is gone. I think whatever comes of it is what was supposed to come of it. So if, you know, if you're at peace with, yeah. with all of the, the things and you're, you're not feeling that there's any, you know, uh, bad vibes or there's not any, you know, just yuck, you're going to be fine. And that's what I keep telling myself. If you're in a good place, you're going to be fine. I think the part for me 
is because the family dynamics of the toxic relationships, those relationships still exist in a lot of ways for me, you know? So it's like, it's, I've healed maybe from past things, but you know, I think, didn't I send you a message where I was like, yeah, I just had a toxic experience over the week. (laughs) And so it's like, there's still new things that come up where I'm like, okay, I have to start this whole healing process again and not be, but you know what you're going to notice? You're going to notice that each time something like that happens because you're becoming so much, so much more aware of the tactics, it's not going to affect you as long. You know, what used to would have had you tied in knots for two weeks is now only going to bug you for three or four days. And pretty soon it's like, you know, getting down to hours or even minutes. Yep. If that would be possible, and, and really, that would be great. I, I, I will stop myself and go, okay, how much bearing does this really have on my life? And if it has nothing, I forget about it because we are trained to overthink. Toxic people in our lives have trained us to overthink everything and doubt ourselves on everything. So I just, I just make it like I'm putting it in a, in a scale. Is it going to affect my life? Is it not going to affect my life? Can I control it? Can I not control it? If not, who cares? You know, and I've said this before, you know, I used to, I used to be very concerned that everybody liked me because I think I was always striving for acceptance for so long. I I'll say I used to walk in a room and worry if there was going to be anybody in there that liked me. And now I walk in a room and I hope there's somebody in there I'm going to like, you know, because, and that's completely different Yeah, because if you don't like me, so what? You know, and, but I know exactly where you're coming from because with, with the book that I'm going to need to write, I am sitting in the exact same chair as you. I know yeah. I need to, I know I need to do it because I know there's people that need it. And it's, it's, cur- you know, the definition of courage, courage was my word for 2019 okay. because of the whole business thing. I knew I needed it. The definition of courage is the heart to act in spite of fear. So we need to channel some courage all the way into 2020 yeah so find some old girlfriend's lipstick and write courage across your mirror (laughs) yeah when when it's time to write that and it's time to to get to that spot where you have to write it you will have the words to write yeah i mean for me mentally i already know exactly what it is it's just like that's like the last mental block that i have for the book everything else is pretty much set so and and the other thing if you sit on it for six months to a year that's okay too because when when you when you're ready you'll know i think i've been sitting on it and that's now i'm at the place where i've been sitting on it for maybe even two years now where and and i kind of feel like um a lot of times even with my creative projects i channel things that happen in my life Mm -hmm into the creativity um to the projects themselves and so there are pieces of me pieces of other people in my life like you know which is kind of standard for a creative process but i i don't ever want to do something that um hurts anyone else hurts anyone else yeah i I don't want to come from that standpoint where it's like oh that's really what you thought about me like and it's you know because at some point the characters have to be true the story has to be yep. true. So 
e- even if it's autobiographical, my experience have to resonate with someone for you know for it to catch. You know, so um, it's just that point, and it's it's always like, yeah, should I tell that it's all true? But should I tell how? What's the percentage that I should tell about? the truth you know how deep should I really go well I think and I agree I think you can get to a point where you can get your point across without having to you know go into super gory details right because you can you can even say I'm not going to go into super gory details here but because then your reader will get it and then because there's a difference between writing something like what the projects that we're talking about versus doing a tell-all book right you know, and I think that's perspective. Yep. And you, and you'll and know when you, it's time. Yeah. And I think you read it that way, too, as a tell all books read totally different than a memoir yep. or autobiography or a self-help book, you know, from practical lessons applied. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to your book. Yeah, Definitely we'll see. Yeah. So I came up, I came up with, oh, you don't want to use the word creating value anymore. Yes. Okay. I think creating worth totally switches the view on that. Okay. I'm I'm going to rock with that then. That's, that's my new phrase. We're going to, so as I close this out, I have one more question for you. One last final question. Will you come back on the Trap Life podcast? Absolutely. Okay, and then when you come back, you've, you'll maybe hear this episode, but maybe, maybe not, but maybe you'll hear another one of our episodes by then. You know, we'll bring you back for season two. Oh, that would be fantastic. I promise I will. I will listen to, I've got some traveling coming up, so I will listen to some of your episodes. Great. Well, here at the Trep Life podcast with our episode, with today's episode with Dr. Heidi, we hope that we have created worth for you today and that our phenomenal instant classic episode and so to dr heidi we wish you peace prosperity and purpose on your journey thank you likewise we're out peace out trap light hey this is christina fernandez i am the co-founder of artist replete and here's our story that i'm sharing on the trap life podcast Artist Replete empowers artists and creatives everywhere. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, Twitter at artistreplete.com. Thanks.